0: Well, hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast, where we share tips, tricks, tools and strategies that you can implement in your life for massive improvements. Every week we have change instigators, compelling creators and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness.
1: You do have more power. Then you recognize. I've seen this. I've seen our capacity to heal ourselves, each other, and the world. I've tested it. I've demonstrated it. You have that power. You're born with that power. So use the power of intention in every aspect of your life.
0: Have you ever marveled at the transformative power of communal intention? On our recent podcast, we were joined by Lynn McTaggart, a luminary in the field who shared astounding insights into this potent tool for change. With research that bridges science and spirituality, McTaggart unravels the mystery of how collective vibrations can indeed move mountains and more importantly, reshape our lives. Brainwave synchronization, as she elaborates, isn't some esoteric jargon, but the crux of group intention and its efficacy. When individuals coalesce with a unified intention, miraculous transformation follow, healing, personal growth, and profound life shifts. Imagine a global community united in purpose, effecting change from the grassroots, and manifesting a brighter world. Well, this is the Eighth Revolution, McTaggart's vision of harness collective power. And you, my dearest ones, hold the potential to be a part of this transformative journey. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Enjoy. Well, today I am super excited and I know you will too once you see who we've got mm-hmm. on the show today. So we've got the lovely Lynn McTaggart. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Catherine. It's great to be here with you.
0: It's great to have you on the show. So the way that we love to start the show is we always love to ask our guests, what's your story? So how did you get into what you do today? What inspired you?
1: Well, I stumbled into all of this essentially by accident. Um, I have a background as an investigative reporter. That's how I started out life. Um, One of my big stories was busting international baby-selling rings with hidden tape recorders and all that sort of stuff back in my 20s. So I started in my 30s, I started a magazine with my husband, Uh, It was a newsletter back then called What Doctors Don't Tell You, which is still going and in 15 languages. Um, And at the time, in the 1990s, I was very interested in um, why spiritual healing works, because I was finding these really brilliant studies, scientific studies, showing some evidence that it worked. And I kept thinking to myself, well, how can that work? How can you take a thought and send it to someone else and make them better? That in itself undermines everything we think about how the world works. So I set off to try to find out why this was going on. And I didn't even know what I was looking for. But I convinced my publishers to let me go on a journey essentially without a compass. And I thought, well, I'll talk to some pioneer uh, consciousness researchers, physicists, biologists, etc., and they'll be able to tell me. And when I started interviewing them, I realized that each of them had discovered a little piece of a puzzle that compounded into a completely new science, a new view of the world, a new definition of who we are. So... One of the problems, though, is that these scientists talk in math. They don't talk in plain English. And they also um, don't like to venture outside their own experimental evidence. They don't want to speculate about what this all means. So I recognized, excuse me, I recognized early on that I was going to have to put this together. So that became my book, The Field. But I also felt there was a lot of unfinished business there. Um, There was this implication that thoughts are an actual something with the capacity to change physical matter. So being an inquiring journalist, I said to myself, well, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about subtle effects like shifting a quantum particle, or are we talking about curing cancer with our thoughts? And I was also interested in numbers. I thought, well, what happens if lots of people are thinking the same thought at the same time? Does that magnify the effect? And so I, with my next book, The Intention Experiment, it was also an invitation for people to take part in periodic experiments to test this out. Because I, th- I thought at the time, well, I know all these scientists who are doing consciousness research. And I guess I have a lot of readers now because my book was in 30 languages. The field was in 30 languages. So I thought, well, if I just put them together, I'll have the biggest global laboratory in the world. And I was also influenced by a lot of popular stuff coming out at the time about the law of attraction, manifestation, the secret. And I thought this needs to really be tested. Let's find out if this really is true. So in 2007, when I launched the book, I also started launching these experiments. And we started small Um, everything from trying to make seeds grow faster to purifying water we went on to do um, to lowering violence in war-torn areas to healing someone with post-traumatic stress disorder and in total now we've done about 40 experiments and of those 40 Uh, 36 have shown measurable positive mostly significant effects and just to put that in context there is no pharmaceutical drug out there with that kind of consistent track record so we've demonstrated all of this and the fact that thoughts can affect things on a pretty grand scale um but My real work started, I guess, around 2008 when I wanted to see what would happen if I shrunk this whole process down. What if I started doing this group intention in a workshop and I wasn't really sure what to do? So I was kicking it around with my husband one day and I said, I don't know, Brian, maybe I'll put them in groups of eight or so and have them send intention to someone with a health challenge. And he turned to me and he said, I love it, the power of eight. And I, you know, that's how it started. It was just an accident. We had a workshop in Chicago. We put people in groups of eight or so. We had them send healing intention to a member of the the group with a health challenge. We had them do this for about 10 minutes. And then the next day, when they came back for the second day of the workshop, we then asked the people who had had intention to take the mic and talk about how they were. And I expected it to be a very simple, feel good, you know, um, uh, outcome, like getting your back rubbed or, you know, having a facial. Well, that's not what happened. What happened was people standing up and saying, I have terrible arthritis. This was somebody who had been limping the day before, and now I'm walking normally. And somebody else saying, I have depression, and it feels like it's lifted today for the first time in years. Someone else said, I have really terrible digestion, and my gut is normal today. Someone else said, I have cataracts. And they feel like they're 80% better. And I was completely freaked out by this. I didn't know what to make of it. I thought to myself, well, I'm not a healer. What's happening here? And I also felt it was going to undermine my big experiments But what ended up happening, of course, was I kept doing it and doing it. And to date, I've seen two people get out of their wheelchairs. I've had thousands of people heal their various illnesses from stage four cancer to um, to estrangement from their families to everything in between and not just heal their bodies, but heal their lives, too.
0: But uh, that is a super amazing. I'm sitting here. I've got quite a lot of things bubbling up right now. And I thought maybe the way that we could start this, Lynn, is maybe go uh, like external and go in because I'm thinking about the field. So, my understanding of the field, or if I think about simplifying a little bit more, that our thoughts are electric and our emotions are magnetic. And so together, they create the electromagnetic field around our body, which then we communicate with a quantum field. So what I like to understand is if we, if we could get a bit of an overview of the field, because I don't even know if that's right with what I just said. It's just what I have believed for quite some time. So maybe let's start with what is the field, and then we'll go into the thoughts, and intentions, and so forth.
1: Okay, well, the, quant- the field is a quantum field. Um, when we talk about subatomic particles, they're not an actual something. They're a vibrating packet of energy. And they trade energy back and forth, like an endless game of subatomic tennis. And in the process of doing that, they create what is called a virtual particle. It's a little particle that there—it's there for less than a blink of an eye. But that creates energy and with all of the subatomic particles doing all the tennis games in all of the things in all the world, that adds up to an extraordinary, unfathomable amount of energy sitting there in empty space, like some supercharged backdrop. So what happens with that field? is that all subatomic particles create it and are part of it. You know, a lot of people say to me, <clears throat> how do I enter the field? And <clears throat> I say to them, you don't have to enter the field. You're part of the field. You are the field. So we're all part of this. Our subatomic particles are part of this. Now, there are degrees of energy and types of energy. Subatomic particles and the field itself is a quantum field. It's not necessarily electromagnetic. We have electromagnetic things in our bodies and our bodies communicate by a certain amount of electromagnetism. But electromagnetism fades with distance and we know that these effects don't fade with distance. I'll give you a perfect example of this that happened in Australia which is my first experiment with with trying to make seeds grow faster. I was speaking in front of an audience in Sydney, Australia, and I was working with Dr. Gary Schwartz, who is a psychologist at the University of Arizona, and he and his consciousness laboratory put together a really ingenious experiment. So we had four sets of experiments of seeds, of 30 seeds each, labeled A, B, C, or D. They took photos of these seeds, sent them to me. And with my audience, we randomly chose one set of seeds to send intention to. We didn't tell the scientists which ones we were doing. We sent intention to, let's say, seeds A. When we finished, we told the scientists we were done, still not telling them which seeds. They planted the seeds. And five days later, they measured all four sets of seeds. Lo and behold, at that point when we unblinded the study and told them it was seeds A, those were the very seeds that grew significantly higher than the controls. So let's unpack this for a moment. Number one, we were not next to the seeds. We were in Sydney, Australia, and the seeds We're in Tucson, Arizona, 8,000 miles away. Plus, we weren't sending intention to the seeds. We were sending intention to a photographic representation of the seeds. So we were sending intention to a symbol of the seeds, and yet it was working. So what we're really talking about here is not a... A force that we understand, but much more of a quantum force of non locality. The idea when two subatomic particles uh, are in contact, they remain in contact and influenced by each other no matter how far you move them apart. So think of them like twins separated at birth. So you got twins, Jane and, and um, Janine. So Jane and Janine get separated. One lives in New York and one lives in London, let's say. And they both end up marrying a person called Sam, even though they don't ever become in contact with each other ever again. They all both love the color blue. And then when Jane is skiing and breaks her leg, So does Janine, even though she's sitting in London in Starbucks having a latte. So that's a little bit like what non-locality is, and it's a quantum effect. So what we're talking about here are quantum realities. And this is why intention works, because we understand on the quantum level, subatomic particles aren't an actual anything yet. They're all possible selves, unless observed by an observer or if a scientist takes a measurement, at which point they collapse down to one single state. So in a way, you have to think of all of reality as that, that something that we are participating in creating all the time by our observation by our influence and so that's really at the heart of why this is all working but you're absolutely right there are very many electromagnetic forces in the body communication systems in the body we are essentially energetic but we're energetic on different levels
0: yeah because i was always wondering how does it work because when you come into the group everyone would have their own vibrational frequency for example and then if you come into the group setting an intention is that just um like a thought process with emotion and does it matter that we're all different vibrational frequencies
1: well when we get together in a group several amazing things happen number one very quickly when we do intention but when we do things together our brains become entrained and by entrained think of a pendulum think of two pendulums you set them going and one is going like this at some point and the other one is going like this at another point but and so they're swinging it opposite directions but if you're they're next to each other for a while they start trading energy and they go like this. So they're all entrained then. They're all operating at the same frequency. And when we talk about brainwave frequencies, remember brainwaves have peaks and troughs. You go like that. Waves go like that. So initially, our waves may be like this, but eventually they end up going in tandem. So they become entrained. So our brainwaves start operating in synchrony. And that happens very quickly in a group. We know this, too, that brainwaves start operating in a very special way in a power of eight group. I've done brainwave studies with Life University, one of the most prestigious chiropractic universities in the world, who are very interested in these power of eight groups and what was going on here. So they put their neuroscience team at my disposal, and we did a, an experiment with um, groups of student volunteers. We put them in groups of eight or so. We put an EEG cap to measure brain waves on one member of each group. And we assumed that the outcome was going to look just like meditation. And the extraordinary thing was The brainwave signatures look nothing like those of meditation. What what happened was a turning off of the parts of the brain that make us feel separate. The parietal lobes, which sit right here, they help us navigate through space, and also the right frontal lobes, which are involved in worry, doubt, negativity. These were all dialed way down. The brainwave signatures, as I say, look nothing like meditation, but what they looked like were almost identical to the outcomes achieved by Dr. Andrew Newberg, a neuroscientist then at the University of Pennsylvania when studying Buddhist monks during ecstatic prayer or Sufi masters during chanting. So these students... We're in a state of essentially ecstatic oneness. And so that's what happens in a power of eight group. And we know from other studies, too, that when people do intention to someone else, not only their brain waves, but their breathing, their heart rate, lots of areas of their body and their bodily functions start operating in synchrony. Mm -hmm. So essentially, two bodies, or in this case, a group, become one.
0: Wow. Okay. So you're talking about, you're not talking about, um, when you're talking about brain waves, are we talking about uh, something like delta or gamma waves, as in a way that it is, so that just naturally happens when a group comes together. There's obviously a process to get to that. Or are you saying that the, as a collective, from a vibrational frequency, they just end up uh, being coherent together?
1: No, it's a process. It's a process of coming together. And one of the things that really anchors it is a common intention. So I always make groups formulate an intention together. So it's not eight people Thinking separate thoughts. It's eight people thinking the exact same thought at the exact same time. And that is one trigger to to creating these brainwaves. And as you say, yes, we're talking about alpha waves, delta waves, beta waves, gamma waves, and beta waves, which is our ordinary waking consciousness, uh, get lessened. And there are more um, alpha waves in meditation, um, so there's an increase in alpha, sometimes even an increase, a bit of increase in gamma waves, waves of very, very focused concentration when the brain is working hardest and fastest. Ordinarily, it's the brain slows down in meditation. When ours, the brain turns off, essentially, <laughs> or the brain turns is dialed way down. And so what you end up having having is eight bodies become one.
0: Mm. And so I'm, I'm sure our uh, audience are very curious as to what exactly do you, so you set intention as a collective, the same intention. Do you visualize it? Do you feel it? Like what would be the next step? Because it's profound. Okay. Some of your experiments and the outcomes, is just miraculous. It's amazing. I mean, the power of eight, the, when I was listening, it was an audio book at the time. Um, I was in awe with some of the stuff that was coming out of your groups. Um, so I'm really curious is like what would be that step?
1: Okay. Well, there are actually 13 steps, and I can't really talk about all of them here. As I mean, I give a, a whole course on it. Um, but I can give a couple of tips. One of the things is all formulating an intention at the same time. And one big tip is being very specific with your intentions. A lot of people erroneously think that, well, if I actually specify exactly what I want, that will limit what the universe gives me. That's never true. I mean, what I find is the universe likes to have a little direction. And otherwise, you can be buffeted by whatever is going on. And as I said, we are creators. We're co-creators. And if we are, we need to nudge things in a certain direction if we want to live a directed, purposeful, and intentional life. So being specific is really important. Breathing a bit together. Doing anything that gets people kind of on the same wavelength initially is helpful, Um, and yes, visualizing the outcome. And one thing that we found is you don't need to hold this intention for more than about 10 minutes. Um, And we started that with the very first intention experiments because we thought people who have never done any kind of meditative process before, probably can't hold a thought for more than about 10 minutes. So that's where it came about. A lot of the processes that I teach now came about from doing all of these intention experiments, learning certain things, and then using that in our Power of Eight groups. Also, I studied intention masters, Sufi masters, Buddhist monks, master healers, um, Qigong masters, and saw what they did that were commonalities. And I tried to strip them down as well as use some of the, the latest science about what works in the, in the laboratory with intention to come up with these 13 keys. So there are many things, but I think very simply and most importantly it's creating a common specific intention that you all hold our intention is okay and you all hold it at the same time together
0: Okay, and so when we're talking about intention, it's not just healing. we can we can uh, set intentions for healing our finance, healing our relationships. Does it depend on the the individual, whatever their pain point is at the time for the group to work on? Is that how it works, Lynn?
1: Absolutely. I mean, with my master classes, every year, I give many, many courses for level one people and advanced people. Most people want to at some point take my master class because when I started experimenting with power of eight groups, I found these miraculous healings at the end of my workshops, you know, or, or my conferences. Uh, When I was speaking at a conference, I would put people into groups. And as I say, I have videos of two people getting up out of their wheelchairs, one paralyzed from the neck down. And, I saw all of these effects. Many lasted, some didn't. So I said to myself, okay, what would happen if I put people in groups for an entire year and watched them and taught them and worked with them? What would happen? Would they begin to heal everything in their lives? So with my year-long master class, as I say, I teach people and then I put them in groups And then we monitor them. And then I have clinics where I work with people through the year to help them. And we've found people heal just about anything that is their pain point, as you put it. I've had people who were like Bev, who was down to her last 200 pounds. And her group did an intention for her because she wanted to start a business. She had had a birthmark. She was born with a birthmark and she wanted to set up a business and a website called Love Your Mark and had no money. And with the group's intention, out of the blue came an invitation to apply for a grant from Lloyd's of London, where she had worked years before. She did, she got it, and she got a nice big fat batch of paychecks that enabled her to go forward and do her business. We've had other people like Andy Spyros, who is trying desperately to get a job and she needed a new job and she was applying for everything, wasn't getting it. She was really talented, young woman, good coaching background, good um marketing background, excellent, couldn't get anything. So we had the group keep focusing on her. But one thing I did with her that I did with a lot of people when they're stuck, I say to them, get off of yourself, start intending for someone else with whatever problem who has more of an issue than you do and see what happens. And invariably, when people start doing that, miracles happen in their own lives. And with Andy's case, the moment she started focusing on someone else, that very f- next week, she gets a call out of nowhere from someone offering her her dream job. And I've seen that happen over and over again. Money issues, relationships, joy. Is In Australia, actually. And she asked her group, and by the way, all of my groups meet virtually, another thing, looking at this as a quantum effect because they're not in any kind of proximity. Many of them live miles and miles, hundreds of miles away. They meet on Zoom or Skype. So Joy was working with her group and she said, I really want a new relationship. I want to open up my heart to love. So the group does an intention for her. And <clears throat> a few weeks later, out of the blue, a boyfriend of hers from 35 years before gets in touch with her. They start talking, and this is all over lockdown. They start talking, they start connecting, they start getting close again, and he ends up getting going through quarantine, etc., to, to come be with her in Australia. They're now living together. So I've seen just about every kind of healing in people's lives. When people get together in a group with intention, healing each other in a group, and that's the real key here, is the altruism piece of it and the oneness piece of it. Um, miracles happen.
0: Mm, it just reminds me of that. I can't remember who said it. it's in the giving that we receive. <laughs> so as as part of the group, you're you're receiving and giving at the same time. Another thing that bubbled up as you're speaking about the groups, what about if -hmm. somebody has a limiting belief of I'm not good enough um, and they've had, or it could be something that was, you know, they're carrying some sort of trauma, whether it's big trauma or small trauma. How does that work when from a, I'm trying to make sense of that from a vibrational frequency because I know even like I work with a few clients that we, we do a lot of the shadow work to really unpack what's beneath it. The, you know the uh the iceberg and what's sitting in that subconscious and unconscious part of your mind but it sounds like it doesn't matter what my belief system is if i do th- be part of this group it's almost like something magical happens so how does well, that work how does, yes. that how does that work when somebody might have a strong belief that i'm not i don't deserve this or i'm not good enough
1: Well, what I've seen over and over again is the group becomes almost like an intention family, an idealized family. And I'm encouraging and teaching from the very beginning that altruism is an important element of it. It's not just a nice thing to do. It's an essential thing to do. I've studied a lot about altruism and I found it's a little bit like a bulletproof vest you know, when people do things for other people, no matter how small, they live longer, happier, healthier lives. And what I've found over and over again is with a power of eight group, let's say there are eight people in it. it doesn't have to be eight. It works with six or five. It works with 12. Eight's a, just a nice Goldilocks figure, not too big, not too small. But let's say they're eight. Seven eighths of the time, you're intending for someone else. So you are giving so much, and that is really a powerful, powerful um, kind of universal law of when you give so much, the universe rewards you. Now, as you say, for people who don't feel I'm good enough or they're good at giving, not receiving, the group says, okay, now it's your turn. Essentially, they have to receive. So I've seen two cases of this recently. Andrea, who was in my master class last year, she was a quiet little woman who always felt okay about giving to other people, but not very good at about receiving. It was very much that I'm not worthy. Who wants to listen to me? And the group kept encouraging her, okay, it's your turn now. And then she suddenly realized, oh, They want to hear what I have to say. They're interested in my life and helping me. And so she started receiving. And then she realized, oh, I like making intentions. I like receiving. And that transformed her life. Um, I found it with Jerry, who Jerry, during the lockdown once again, um, he was part of a master class and the group. And he found it all so powerful. He was one of those people who really hadn't developed too many relationships in his life that he wanted it again. He wanted more. So he joined the next year as well. And he had these two groups going at the same time. And as he said, I, I, you know, I really know what love is. Um, What was more powerful for me was the compassion, the love, the concern. I've done better in lockdown in terms of relationships than any other time of my life. So I think it's all of these things together that are really powerful. Having said that, sometimes there are issues, very deep issues, as you well know, that are holding people back and sabotaging them. And for that, we actually do run a course called Heal Your Past. And what I've been doing for a number of years now is working in retro intention and working also with my husband called Brian Hubbard, who has written a book called The Untrue Story of You and developed a, an amazing mechanism for healing your past called Time Light. Relating to time and the past and how it sits on you in the present like an unwanted guest. And so together we put that, we put a course together. And we we teach this sort of thing in retreats too. We have an upcoming retreat in September called Heal Your Past. Being held, by the way, in a stately home in England called Broughton Hall, and it was the runner up for the location for Downton Abbey. So (laughs) we have a great history there, but also it's a very spiritual place. So sometimes we have to go very, very deep with those kinds of thoughts. But my real point is intention can heal even the most difficult past. People coming on our retreats sometimes have appalling pasts, and we help them become time light, as Brian puts it. We help mm-hmm. them overcome these traumas that have created limitations in the in the present. And my trauma, it can be anything from something really serious to a teacher belittling you about your understanding of math when you were seven. That mm-hmm. has continued to create a belief in you that you're no good at math yeah. when you're a full-fledged adult. So there are all kinds of ways that intention can work, whether it's in time or out of time.
0: Mm, I love the way that you've described that. And it just makes me think as well with the the increase in uh, vibrational mm-hmm. frequency or the increase in consciousness, there's a lot more light coming through and therefore a lot more of the shadows are being brought to the surface. And this is why I'm hearing a lot more people working with trauma, breath work, uh, all of those deep-rooted things that could hold us back. So I love the fact that you actually do that piece as well. The other question I had is the power of eight. Why eight? Like, does it? If you had a hundred, would that increase the power?
1: Well, we actually tested that, Catherine, um, with this seed experiment. We didn't just run it once. We ran it six times, and we had different size groups at different locations. So we had our group of about 700 in Sydney, and we had 100 in New York at a small retreat. And we had another group in South Carolina, Dallas, Texas, Los Angeles, and then I ran it with thousands of people over the internet. So we had everything from 100 to many thousands, and it didn't make a difference at all that the size of group didn't matter. Everybody thinks, oh, we got to get more and and it'll be better. But I found that what you need is a group and a common intention, any size group, any group. So as I said before, it doesn't have to be eight. As you heard, eight was a completely random number I pulled out, or maybe not, maybe it wasn't random, but it was when I was kicking it around with my husband, Brian saying, I don't know, I'll put them in groups of eight or so. And it wasn't deliberate. Um, there was no uh, sacred geometry behind it. Of course, there's a lot of of, of heavy meaning and um, uh, some past information and beliefs around eight, whether it's the Chinese who believe eight is a lucky number, Or the idea that eight is a sideways infinity number. Um, And so all of those things attached to eight give it a great deal of, of weight. But there isn't any real weight around a group, a particular size group, that makes it work better. I mean, I've had those people getting out of their wheelchairs and maybe they were in a group of 12 or maybe they were in a group of nine. But as I say, eight's an optimum number. It's not too big, it's not too small. So I always recommend eight.
0: Yeah, and it is a very auspicious number too. And on the number eight, uh, did you want to talk us through what is the eight revolution?
1: Okay, yeah. So, you know, we're all recognising that these are really difficult times. You know, we're seeing... Essentially, the end of something. Uh, we people have said it's, you know, the end of energy. It's the end of oil. We see the bank. The banks are going through another collapse <laughs> yet again. We see political crises on every front. Our leaders seem to be clueless about what to do about all of the crises we face. We've got climate change crises. We've got people who are struggling just to get by, a huge, vast disparity between rich and poor that we've never really seen in the human um, history, this kind of disparity of billionaires and people who cannot even afford any food or a shelter. So we have all of these problems, and we always figure We always think and look to our leaders and think, well, we've got to elect another president or we've got to change our Congress or something like that. But if you look at history, as Margaret Mead famously said, um, small groups are what create change. They're the only thing that ever do. And if you think about it, small groups are the biggest change makers. It was a small group organized by Mohandas Gandhi that liberated India from British rule. It was a small group that started in Prague, created the Prague Spring, that was able to decouple itself from Soviet communism without a single shot being fired. It was a small group that was marshaled by Martin Luther King that began the civil rights movement. In fact, it started with one person, Rosa Parks, refusing to sit at the back of the bus. It always starts with a small group. And I kept thinking, I need an army of changemakers here. You know, we can't do this from the top down. We have to do this from the bottom up. And then I started thinking, I have an army of changemakers makers. I have tens of thousands of Power of Eight groups around the world. What if I pulled them together and gave them some tools for a new world? So that's what I'm doing. I've just launched the Eight Revolution, as I'm calling it, and I'm inviting all the Power of Eight groups out there or all people who want to be part of a Power of Eight group to join my community And everything, by the way, about this is free. This isn't a marketing message. This is a social revolution message. And so I'm inviting them to join my community because we'll be completely private. We won't be dealing with Facebook censorship, Facebook ads, and all of the social media stuff that we normally have to deal with. So we're going to be completely private. And I'm going to allow these groups to communicate with each other. But as I say, I'm also going to be sending them downloads and videos that are completely free, what I call tools for a new world. And they are going to help people, first of all, learn new methods of communication, because we're so polarized now. You know, look at the Democrats and Republicans. I I spoke to. You know, I speak to people in America. I was there last week, and they'll say, I'll say, how's so-and-so? And they'll say, no, oh, I, ha- I don't talk to him anymore. He's become a Trump supporter. And I think that kind of thing has polarized people so much so that if they have certain political beliefs, they are pariahs on either side. So is teaching people about how to come across the divide and come together for common causes, how to... Um, Use all kinds of bottom-up techniques to revitalize communities, to come together in all kinds of ways to replace some of the things that we have now that are dispiriting and disheartening, like the media. Learning to find out new places to get your news, learning to find new ways of sharing learning to use what are called superordinate goals, goals that can only be achieved by the collective efforts of everyone involved, and doing that to make major change. None of us has to give up our day job to do this. These are small techniques, small methods, small measures that start compounding into a giant social movement. Because here's the thing. We are more powerful than we recognize. We feel so powerless. But even as Gandhi said, no government would work, would operate for one day without the tacit agreement of its population. So if we suddenly say, no, we're gonna do things another way. We're gonna share, care, and be fair. We're gonna create a society with a conscience We can do that. We have that power. And as I say, we have power, that power in small and big ways. I want to recommend that you have a look, and I think it's on Netflix, of a movie called The Bank of Dave. This is a true story about a northern guy. He's from the north of England called David Fishwick, Fishwick, I think his name is. Now, he had a successful trucking business in this little town of Burnley, I think it was. And because he had a decent amount of money and he was well-loved in the community, used to do karaoke all the time, everybody loved Dave, people would come to Dave. People started coming. There was a woman whose husband suddenly died. She didn't have the money for the funeral. So he said, I'll loan it to you. And he created a loan, and she paid him back. And then somebody else had the same issue. This is probably around 2008, 2009, 10, right after the first banking crisis. So he started to get the idea, what if I created a bank? So he, the story of the movie is all about the difficulties he has fighting the establishment to just set up this little bank. He eventually does a savings and loan called the bank of dave and literally when he did that even before he established the bank every single person he loaned money to and there were many many hundreds paid him back and so you start seeing that when it is not part of a corrupt system people's hearts are really there most people most people want to share care and be fair most people want to give. It's all in our natures. So if we create different little ways of working together, sharing, we create vibrant communities, we create connection, which we all need, and we create something new and something better. I so that, that that's what it is.
0: I love that and it just made me think of another gentleman I spoke to a little while ago, Howard from the HeartMath Institute, when we were talking about the great separation um, and the way that we we were having the conversation, which is like the, the dichotomy, when there is the great separation, there's also the great of coming together which is what you're doing so it's and it's what we were speaking about before we came on the show with Pluto the transit of Pluto moving out of capricorn which is system government banks that kind of thing moving into aquarius which is all about people community the collective like coming together so i love that so for our audience that want to uh start and be part of the Power of Eight groups. Like I know people anywhere and everywhere in the world can start, but what would be their first step? To obviously, we'll have the links in the show notes. So to enroll uh, in the Eight Revolution, so be part of that. Can you join an existing group, or do you start your own group, or how does exactly does it work? What's the mechanics?
1: Okay, you don't have to be part of a group to join the Eight Revolution. What you can do is. First, join, and then you'll be given information about, you'll get downloads of what to do. And the first step is, if you have a Power of Eight group, have them all join. And then you recreate on our website, which works a lot like a social media platform like Facebook. You can then create your own group. And we give you all of the tools to do that. If you don't have a group, you just come on, And look, there are lots of people on this community site that say, I'd really like to start a group. Or will you join my group? I'm in this time zone. So for people listening who are in Australia, they simply have to say, hey, I'd like to join a group that's in this time zone. And then you create the group together, start looking for other people who are joining or put up a little essentially a post yourself saying, I'd like to have you know, people join me in this time zone. And then you create start creating your group. If you have any troubles, you can let us know and we'll try to help you get together with a group. And once you have your group, then we're going to be sending, as I say, we're going to be sending weekly missives of this is what to do this week. Try this this week. And we have all kinds of great suggestions. And as you say, it's all about community. When I wrote my book, The Bond, and published it in 2011, that was really an answer to Darwin. It was basically saying, were we meant to be this competitively individualistic? And the absolute answer that came back with all of the science was no. We were meant to be connected. As I said, we were meant to share, care, and be fair. And we need to belong, we need to be part of a community, essentially more than we need to breathe. Yeah. So this is the whole point, is to recreate this community. It may be a virtual community, but we'll also be making a huge number of suggestions of the kinds of things you can do to do an in-person community too, to recreate community ties and connection and interpersonal relationships, the kinds of things that are breaking down today.
0: I love that. I'm I'm in awe of your work and I'm also conscious of your time. And we will have that in the show notes. I myself am very interested in starting my own Paravate group um, and doing your training. Uh, like I said, I was so excited just when I saw your name coming on the show, I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so exciting. Um, so the way that we wrap up the show, Lynn, is we always love to ask our guests to leave three shiny golden nuggets and they could be like three practical exercises for our guests or um, for our audience, I should say, or um, three um, three tips.
1: Okay. so <clears throat> I think the first tip is to understand that you do have more power than you recognize. I've seen this. I've seen our capacity, To heal ourselves, each other, and the world. I've tested it. I've demonstrated it. You have that power. You're born with that power. So the first tip is reclaim it. Use the power of intention in every aspect of your life. The second tip is you are not a solitary person on a lonely planet, in a lonely universe the kind of message that our current scientific story has given you. You are connected, you are miraculous, you have so many powers you haven't even recognized yet, and we are all connected. As I said to my daughter when I was writing The Field, who was always worried about being alone, you never were alone. You are always part of a greater whole. And three, the power is in your hands. We don't have to live like this, not for one more day. We can change the way the world is going right now. We have the power, but it's not going to happen with a new president. It's not going to happen with a change of Congress. It's going to happen with you and me. And if we join together and we create community together, a new kind of community, we're going to be unstoppable.
0: Mm, that is, oh, go goosebumps. That is so powerful. And it's so true. I think people have been so conditioned to uh, have someone come and save them, right? And then what you're saying is that we are like we will be recreating this new world from within. And not, not external, not seek external of ourselves to make that happen, but we as a collective create it, as you say, co-create it with the universe.
1: Absolutely. We create it within ourselves, and then we also create it in our community. Mm. And as I say, it just has to stir with a group of eight, as it always has.
0: Mm. Beautiful. So, Lynn, where is the best place for our tribe to find you? We'll have all the links in the show notes, but where do you hang out the most?
1: Okay, well, you can find me on my website, lynnmctaggart.com. I do weekly e-news. I do uh, podcasts. um, I do broadcasts. Of course, I'm on Facebook, but more and more on my community site. So just check out everything I'm doing on lynnmctaggart.com. You are one
0: super amazing human being. And I love what you do. And I want to say thank you from my heart for your time, your energy and sharing your wealth of wisdom with us today. So thank you so very much, Lynn.
1: Thank you, Catherine. It's been my pleasure.
0: Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on Share Show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on Follow Show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long-time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you. Content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at catherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.